Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and you can think of me as your friendly guide to the English language. We talk about writing, history, rules, and other cool stuff. Today, we're going to talk about three punctuation marks, one you undoubtedly know how to use, another you possibly misuse, and then another you've likely never used. And then we investigate what actually makes a square meal square and not round or trapezoid. You're probably well-versed in the basics of how to use those sideways eyebrow thingies, better known as parentheses, but the details can get tricky. First, remember that a pair of them is called parentheses, but a single one is a parenthesis. For now, let's just say that parentheses mainly enclose information that isn't vital to a sentence. But no matter what you put inside parentheses, one important thing to remember is that your sentence still has to make sense if you delete them and everything inside. And although you're allowed to put both partial sentences and complete sentences inside parentheses, you shouldn't put more than a whole paragraph inside, according to Gardner's Modern English Usage. One thing people often wonder is how to use terminal punctuation marks with parentheses. Well, if your sentence starts with an opening parenthesis and what's inside your parentheses is a complete sentence, then the terminal punctuation mark, such as a period, question mark, or exclamation point, goes inside the closing parenthesis. For example, if you wrote, I knew he wouldn't want to do that, inside parentheses, the period goes at the end of the sentence after the word that and inside the closing parenthesis. On the other hand, if what's inside the parentheses is only a partial sentence, then you put the terminal punctuation outside instead. For example, if you wrote, I moved to America when I was 10, and then put 1980 in parentheses, you put the period after that closing parenthesis, because in 1980 isn't a complete sentence. For the most part, these two rules seem fairly easy to understand. Complete sentence, terminal punctuation inside. Partial sentence, terminal punctuation outside. But when you have a sentence that contains another complete sentence within parentheses, the punctuation can get confusing. Let's say you want to add a complete sentence, I can't believe it, inside parentheses within another complete sentence. In this case, the exclamation point would go inside the closing parenthesis, and then a period would go outside. For example, I ate the whole box of donuts, parenthesis, I can't believe it, exclamation point, close parenthesis, period. That's the correct way to do it, but I often recommend simply losing the parentheses and making that sentence a complete sentence on its own that follows the first sentence. 
I ate the whole box of donuts, period. I can't believe it, exclamation point. It's always good to make sure you have a good reason for putting something in parentheses. Now it's time to introduce our potentially misused friends, square brackets. These brackets, which are one long line short of a standing-up rectangle, appear on the keyboard to the right of the letter P. They're less common than their parenthetical cousins, although you do sometimes see both punctuation marks within the same sentence. The Associated Press never uses brackets because their system can't transmit them, so if you're a newspaper writer, you're free from the rules of this section. For everyone else, one time to use brackets is when you want to put parentheses within parentheses. Since two parentheses in a row would be confusing, you bookend your parentheses with brackets. So the order is opening parenthesis, opening bracket, closing bracket, closing parenthesis. For example, you'd write, they're getting married, parenthesis, they love each other, bracket, of course, exclamation point, close bracket, close parenthesis, period. Now, that definitely looks clunky, but you could occasionally have a stylistic reason for wanting to do it that way. For example, maybe you're writing dialogue for a scatterbrained character in a novel. Square brackets are also a good way for editors to include comments in a document. The square brackets make comments stand out, since they're so rarely used for other things. A related way to use brackets is if you need to add a comment to clarify something in a quotation. For example, if you're in a scholarly field, you may find yourself writing a paper and needing to directly quote an expert, but also realizing you need to clarify what the expert said, and this is where it gets tricky. Some writers will replace the section of a quotation with text in brackets to make it more clear, but some professionals suggest that it's better to add a clarification instead of replacing text. For example, let's say you have a quotation that reads, This enterprising paleontologist discovered a new species of plant eater. And you need to tell your readers who the enterprising paleontologist actually is. You could change it to, Margot Figueroa discovered a new species of plant eater, with Margot Figueroa in brackets, replacing this enterprising paleontologist, but it would be better to add the name in brackets after the description, writing instead, This enterprising paleontologist, Margot Figueroa, in brackets, discovered a new species of plant eater. And note that you shouldn't use parentheses around the name you add, even though you might be tempted, because it would seem incorrectly like an aside that appeared in the original text, because it's in a quotation. You may have also seen a quotation where just the first capital letter of the first word is in brackets. That pops up when a writer is quoting someone but starts in the middle of a sentence, so the exact quotation doesn't include a capital letter. This level of precision isn't usually necessary, according to both Garner's Modern English Usage and the Chicago Manual of Style. But if your work requires you to be rigorously accurate, as Garner's puts it, you can put that first capital letter in brackets to show that the way you've written it isn't exactly as it was in the original. For example, if the quoted word is it with a lowercase i and a rigorously accurate scholar wanted the word it to start a sentence, it would be written bracket uppercase i bracket lowercase t. You can also use brackets to note when something is missing in a text. 
For example, if you're quoting from an old handwritten document and a word is worn away, you can write illegible in brackets in place of that word. Note, though, that this is different from using an ellipsis, those three dots we talked about a couple of months ago, which you use when you're deleting words from a direct quotation. The ellipsis shows that you've made an editorial decision to omit text, whereas something like an illegible comment in brackets shows that something wasn't able to be included. The last place you're likely to encounter square brackets is around the Latin word sic, S-I-C, which means thus. You use it in italics when you're quoting someone who's made an error, such as a spelling mistake. You should use bracket sic bracket only when absolutely necessary to aid readers. You don't want to show off or seem pedantic by constantly pointing out others' failings. In fact, the most recent edition of the AP Stylebook says never to use it. Instead, if you're tempted, they say to paraphrase the quotation instead. Our last foray into punctuation marks leads us to what are known as curly braces. To type one, press the shift key as you punch the bracket key to the right of the letter P. I must say, I've never used curly braces. In fact, although they look like punctuation marks, they really aren't at least not in the way you can type them yourself. They're on your keyboard because they have specialized uses in mathematics and science. For example, they're used to enclose the third level of nested equations when parentheses and brackets have already been used for the first two levels. And big curly braces that span multiple lines are sometimes used to enclose groups of words that belong together or triplet lines in poetry but your keyboard doesn't have those big curly braces that span multiple lines. So today we've learned how to use various curved, square, and curly squiggles within your sentences. Be sure to keep them straight. That segment was written by Bonnie Mills, who's been a copy editor since 1996. Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Remember the frustration of trying to memorize vocabulary and grammar rules only to find you couldn't actually use the language in real life? Well, there's a better way to learn. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program with millions of users learning 25 different languages, and you can get it on your desktop or as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways with its intuitive process. It's really different. You pick up the language naturally, first with words, then the phrases, and then with sentences. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Don't put off learning that language. There is no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Grammar Girl listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Is it rosettastone.com slash grammar. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. 
Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash grammar today. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Did you have a square meal? If someone asks you that question, they're referring to a healthy, balanced, satisfying meal. If you ate only candy, pretzels, or ice cream, then you did not have a square meal. But why is the word square used to describe a filling, nutritious meal? An oft-repeated story about the etymology of the term square meal has been that in the 1700s, sailors in the British Royal Navy ate their meals off square wooden plates or trays called trenchers. A trencher was a square piece of wood with a large carved-out circular depression in the center for food and a smaller depression in one corner for holding salt. While it's true that at one time plates of that shape and substance were used, there isn't any evidence that the term square meal came from that practice. Neither the Sailor's Word Book nor the Oxford English Dictionary connects the origin or usage of square meal to the Royal Navy and sailors eating off trenchers. According to the Oxford English Dictionary, using the word square as an adjective dates back to the 1500s, and it meant just equitable, or honest. A person or action that was straightforward, true, or fair was square. In competitions, we want the rules to be fair and square for everyone involved. We want a square deal in matters pertaining to work, business, and life in general. Teddy Roosevelt, who served as President of the United States from 1901 to 1909, often used square deal to describe his policies promoting the fair treatment of everybody. In the mid-1800s, the phrase square meal started to be used in the United States and referred to a meal that was filling and substantial because it was well-balanced with all the sustenance a person needed. In the June 1865 issue of the New Harper's Monthly Magazine, J. Ross Brown described what a square meal consisted of in the mining town of Virginia City, Nevada. Brown was a world traveler, federal employee, and writer. On one of his trips through the Washoe Valley, he saw an advertisement that he told his readers would, quote, send a thrill of astonishment through your brain, unquote. The ad he saw, which he quoted word for word, read like this. Look here, for 50 cents, you can get a good square meal at the Howling Wilderness Saloon. Brown then described a square meal as, quote, not as may be supposed a meal placed upon a table in the form of a solid cubic block, but a substantial repast of pork and beans, onions, cabbage, and other articles of sustenance that will serve to fill up the corners of a miner's stomach. A repast is a meal, and the one described by Brown, though it was a square meal by 1865 minor standards, might not strike our modern sensibilities and palates as one that we'd line up with excitement to eat. Brown's description also leaves one wondering what the other articles of sustenance might have been. J. Ross Brown didn't invent the term square meal, though, nor was he the first to use it. 
In a California newspaper titled Georgetown News, a letter to the editor appeared on February 7, 1856, that said anyone coming to the town of Newtown in El Dorado County should, quote, call at the United States Hotel to get a square meal, unquote. In the July 23, 1857 issue of the Mariposa California Democrat, an advertisement inviting people to a camp meeting said, quote, three square meals per day will be furnished, unquote. That same year, the phrase square meal appeared in the New York Dispatch. Now, none of those articles explained what a square meal was, so it seems the term had already been in use before it began appearing in print, and people understood what it meant. For many of us, the contents of what qualified as a square meal back in the 1800s might not be what we envision or hope for today. But the general, basic meaning of square meal remains the same. A square meal is a balanced provision of nutritious food that fills and satisfies. Because square describes someone or something that is fair or just. And it makes sense that a square meal doesn't cheat people out of the sustenance they need. That segment was written by Brenda Thomas, a freelance writer and online educator. Finally, I have a familect story about a girl named Eliana. Hello, Grammar Girl. I have a familect story for you. When my middle daughter was about 17 months old, she had her own word to signify a long, warm outer garment. We were preparing to go outside when she asked to put on her guck. My husband looked her in the eye and said, Eliana, say coat, emphasizing the wayward consonants. She looked him straight in the eye and responded with utmost sincerity, guck. That's what she heard. That's what she repeated. So now guck is our family's word for coat. Thank you for your podcast. I really enjoy it. Thank you for the call. I actually ran your story by Valerie Fridland, the linguist who wrote that segment a few weeks ago about how children acquire language, and she tells me your daughter was probably doing something that linguists call assimilation, which just means changing sounds to make them more like other sounds that are easier for them to make. So guck was easier for her to say with the sounds she was already able to make than using the sounds she'd have to put together in the word coat. It's the same reason kids often say kiki for kitty. Thanks again. If you want to call with your family act story, the story of a word your family and only your family uses, we include the number for the voicemail line in every weekly Grammar Girl newsletter. So sign up for the newsletter to get the phone number in your inbox. And you can sign up for that at quickanddirtytips.com. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. Thanks to my audio engineer, Nathan Sams, and my editor, Adam Cecil. Our assistant manager is Emily Miller, whose nephew will be two years old next week. Happy birthday, Parker. And our marketing and publicity assistant is Davina Tomlin. That's all. Thanks for listening. Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. 
Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.